We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Hassel Cattle Company Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in our bar on the corner of Colfax in York. Hassel Cattle Company Wagyu beef burgers. Got all the toppings here at the bar. And if you want to get some of your own at home, you can go to HasselCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, and use code DNVR10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase every single time with code DNVR10. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in CBD and CBG and will have you feeling as good as I've been because their CBD infused coffee helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, and so much more. Plus, there are zero coffee jitters if you want three or four cups during your day, which I typically do. And now new customers can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25. Please support Strava Craft Coffee because they've been supporting us for years. Make sure you use DNVR25 for 25% off your first purchase. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joined today uh, with a very special guest, the man whose coverage of the Broncos is, is can never be surpassed. Aww. And yet, here he is, rocking all Atlanta gear. It's it's Atlanta Braves super fan Andrew Mason. What's going on, buddy? Hey, Patrick. Good to talk to you. I mean, what you're seeing here, I have on a throwback cap, kind of a throwback. It's not quite accurate because it doesn't have the white panel on the front, and then a throwback logo shirt. This is the tip of the iceberg. I could literally wear a different Braves shirt or hat probably for a month and not recycle the same look that's how that's how deep in this i am it's kind of obsessive but uh hey good 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 for you to have me on and i, I really appreciate coming on and man i despite my calm demeanor right now i could not be more excited about uh where my team stands right at this moment they defy the odds and no doubt you know only 88 wins during the season a favorite a favorite to win the nl east and it was a struggle in fact i i think i heard uh, somewhere this morning that they spent 127 days of the season at or under 500, like to give you some perspective of, of how much this team kind of struggled to get their feet underneath them. And then they go out and defeat the 106 plus win <laughs> Los Angeles Dodgers without Ronald Acuna or Mike Soroka. Or, or Marcelo Zuna as well. Now, of course, Zuna, of course, had the domestic violence thing, and he has justifiably been suspended. And, you know, frankly, it would surprise me if Ozuna ever played again. But when Acuna went down in early July, I was watching the game they were playing in Miami, and he tore his ACL uh, when he was trying to make a play in right field. Between knowing that Ozuna wasn't coming back, Mike Soroka, by the way, he's Soroka's torn his Achilles twice in the last – 16 in the last 14 months. I mean, he's been through just an amazing amount of physical heartbreak. And when Acuna went down, you really thought, man, this team, it, they haven't, like you mentioned, they haven't been able to get above 500. It was so weird because they can't, they would get to 500 constantly through early August and they would never get over. Like they, something would always happen. The bull, like they hit 500 and then they'd have a bullpen game and it would go horribly or, you know, just, 
some misfortune always seemed to be there. And so they're starting August, they're 52 and 55 when they go to St. Louis and St. Louis had not gotten that hot to that point. And uh, then it began to turn around It really we'll, we'll dive into it, but really incredible. And you think of all the Braves teams over the, even the last couple of decades, Patrick, that had been to the playoffs. They've been, they've been to the playoffs 13 times since they last went to the world series in 1999. And this was probably the homeliest and least likely of all that you thought that was going to do some damage. But as Mookie Betts said, you know, they're a hot team right now. And sometimes it's all about being hot at the right time. And they were hot at the trade deadline. Like I think, yes. I think since July 30th, they've been, uh, they've had the best record in, in, in the game at that point. And they add yeah. four outfielders, not three, not an entire <laughs> outfield, but enough to, you know, have some off days and enough to have a DH in the World Series, which we're going to see here at the first two games opening up in Houston, probably get Jorge Soler uh, as the DH. Uh, right. And and that's something that we don't typically see for these NL clubs is having that one extra big bat coming off the bench. For the Rockies in 2007, it was Brian Spielborgs. It was, yep. you know, backup, <laughs> essentially a platoon center fielder. So for Atlanta to have that much firepower, credit to to everyone in, in that front office, particularly Mr. Alex Anthopoulos. Oh, this is this is his triumph. I think the fact that this team is here, and you look at the guys they picked up. Adam Duvall, you know, he still has a lot of power. Now he's gonna he's gonna strike out a lot, but he he was with the team in recent years. Braves let him walk in free agency to Miami. The funny thing is, Patrick, in those first four months of the season before they got Duvall back, Duvall actually absolutely crushed the Braves. It was like every time he went against Atlanta, he was determined to show them they should have resigned him in the off season. And then by that stroke of luck, they, they get him back. You mentioned Jorge Soler, who you go back a couple of years, great power hitter had struggled, but was starting to put it back together very quietly in Kansas city in July, but it was still kind of a buy low thing on Soler and he's been terrific. And then of course the hero. And then of course, Jock Peterson was the hero of the NLDS against Milwaukee. And then Eddie Rosario who talk about a trade. The Braves got rid of Pablo Sandoval, who had some big hang-shaped bats in the first month, but then hit the wall in a big way, clearly was done. And the Braves get Rosario, pick up that salary, just to, in exchange for Sandoval, who was who had delivered nothing for three months. And the guy goes on and, be, and is the NLCS MVP, was the hottest player in that series. Just, I mean, it's almost like you're talking, it's someone who's at the casino, and it's on a hot streak, like they keep like these twenty to one hots. They hit one, they hit another, and he came up four for four on these guys. Patrick, I mean, just in, just absolutely incredible, and uh, basically remaking an outfield with deadline deals and guys who were kind of platoon players. I mean, that's the credit to him. But I mean, there is a little bit of luck involved, and the Braves have been very lucky, so you can't dismiss that either. Yeah, there's there's a fallacy of sunk cost that hey, right. if you just keep investing, you're bound to get it out, and that that's not true. And yeah. so if Atlanta would have you know only acquired one outfielder at that point and just tried to make it work with with whoever they had left, you know, have Orlando Arcia try him out in center field or something oh. crazy like that, why not? <laughs> you you wouldn't have blamed them because you go well, look, yeah, it was supposed to be your year, but. Uh, Acuna's down and, and things just haven't turned your way. You wouldn't have blamed them if they just acquired one or two, but mm -hmm. to go all in like that really was, 
was gutsy. And, and yeah, they didn't have to give up too much. I like Bryce Ball as a first base mm-hmm. prospect that they gave up for Peterson. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, Alex Anthopoulos, he picked up those phones. He hammered it and said, you know what? I, I want to do it one last time. And you got to think maybe he specifically wanted to do it for the man who's going to be a free agent this offseason. And that's Mr. Freddie Freeman. After 11 years in, in Atlanta, he's he's finally going to his first World Series. Yeah, I only want to think about him being a free agent, especially with what is looming labor-wise here coming up in, in the storm clouds of a of a of a lockout that are looming in December. Um I, I certainly it's funny, like there are some reporters down there who are pretty plugged in who keep insisting Freddie Freeman is going to be back, but until he's got that John Hancock on the contract, I'm gonna be nervous. And you can and, and when you see how players have kind of aged in their 30s. And we've seen how how contracts can look on the backside of those. I mean, I hate to say it, but like the Todd Helton contract, that was not a good contract toward the end of that time. And maybe you worry a little bit about that, about, little bit about that with Freddie Freeman. But uh, I feel like you know, I, I hope they I hope they reward him. But maybe Freddie kind of looks at what Anthopolis did at the deadline and says, okay, no matter what happens in this World Series, no matter what happens with this lockout and everything going on labor wise. This is where this is where I want to spend the rest of my career. We'll we'll see, and maybe the maybe down the line, the DH will help a little bit as well. Even though first base, you should be able to keep playing that well in your thirties. But yeah, that's it's funny. Like I don't want to think beyond the moment, Patrick, as a fan, because it's such a it's such a great moment being the World Series. But you see the lockout potentially. You see Freeman's contract expiring. It's like oh gosh, you know. I mean, well, it's going to be tense for the next few months. Well, make you feel a little bit better yeah. to know that uh, they've got about $120 plus million on the books for 2022. Right. With the biggest contracts being, you know, uh, Dansby Swanson, I think he's in his final year of arbitration, mm-hmm. and Max Fried's making $7 million. Other than that, you know, it, it, it helps that Ronald Acuna was signed to essentially the most club friendly contract in the history of all time. Ozzy Albies, a close second, second behind that. Yeah. So I think they're going to be able to afford that. And I think, again, that it's the right guy that you want. Like say what you will about Todd Helton, his production, but what he did, you know, behind the scenes or as a member of the Rockies community, you say, ah, I'm okay with, with that money spent or that, mm-hmm. that some right. cost in a sense. And I think Atlanta might, might end up doing the same with the Freeman. I think they will ultimately as as well. Like I said, I'm just you're always nervous until it gets done. But the other thing that kind of comes into play with the Braves is um, they were able to reopen to full crowds before most teams in baseball. And while everybody took a catastrophic revenue hit between that and also with the development around that stadium down around Truist Park. They, you know, one one of the key parts of it is uh, there are a lot of, of a lot of apartments around there, and so this is a team that was able to maintain some revenue streams, and and not lose as much as some other teams did, and certainly that the the, the revenue deficit over the last eighteen months that's going to affect what teams do, and it will probably affect some decisions the Braves make as well, but. They should be able to tap into to some financial reservoirs that not as that not many teams can. That being said, what what keeps me up at night is the notion of Freddie Freeman signing with the New York Mets, because Tom Glavin did that back in the two thousands. Even though Glavin was not the same as he had been, just 
watching him in blue and orange was just agony. And so I really hope that that's not how, what this comes down to that, uh, that Steve Cohen just doesn't write a massive check because money is no object to him. So oh, that, that's, that's what makes me nervous, Patrick. That, that was so strange. You are so right when that happened. And from what I can recall about that time, you know, Glavin, I think he was like a player representative. Yes. And so he was, he's, one of those guys and again we're we're coming back around to that possible work stoppage but representing the players and doing what's best for the union sometimes could mean going to flushing queens and taking the best offer versus what you may want to do Mm -hmm. and so yeah that was very strange him signing with the mets yeah and and it was coming at a time when if you go back to the 1990s the Braves were a very free spending organization. Like, I mean, they signed Greg Maddox and free agency from, uh, from the Cubs uh, back in the early 1990s to, to kind of fill out that rotation. They already had Tom Glavin. They already had John Smoltz. And so when Ted Turner was calling the shots on his own, they basically were kind of the Dodgers or the Yankees. Money was no object. They didn't really care about the budget. It was all about, okay, what can we spend to win? And then what happened between that time and when Glavin went to the Mets was that through a series of corporate maneuvers, mergers and acquisitions, et cetera, by that time, the Braves were owned by AOL Time Warner. And then eventually, as they were swapped as part of kind of a, an asset and, 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 and tax-related swap, they end up in the hands of Liberty Media, which has been much more bottom line oriented than the ownership was in the 1990s. Now, you know that being said, Liberty sets a budget, and the Braves have never been they've they've never been like the Rays or the A's in terms of what their budget has been. But given the size of their market, not just Atlanta, but they have a massive secondary market throughout the South because. There are no other teams uh, until you get down to Florida, which isn't really the South, as it were. So they've got the Nashville market as a secondary market. They've got the Charlotte market as a secondary market. These are markets that should, that could and probably should have their own major league teams. And that's part of the Braves kind of general umbrella. And so they do have a big, a big market. They do have the revenue streams coming in from the development around the park. And so, you know, it's a team that, hasn't really spent in the last 15 years the way that it should and uh, hoping that they'll kind of let this go and they'll understand the value of a, a team that if they keep Freddie Freeman and Freeman continues producing as he is, Patrick, they seem pretty poised to to have this not be the last time that this core goes to a World Series. They've certainly, they've won four straight division titles and uh, they, they, Given, like you mentioned, the team-friendly contrast with Acuna and Albies, they're pretty well positioned to keep on being a relevant team for the next several years here. Yeah, there's going to be a lot to celebrate in the next couple of years, and there's always a lot to celebrate at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York, right there in Denver. We've had some great events for the Broncos tailgate, Avs tailgate. There's watch parties happening all the time for Nuggets and Avs, Broncos, and more so much happy hour every day at the dnvr bar from three to six with drink specials appetizer discounts can't go wrong there you know you can sign up for 50 cents for your first month on the dnvr.com or if you want an annual membership you'll get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com and also don't forget you do get a bigger size beer when you're on the corner of colfax in york and there's a good chance it's going to be a breck 
Oak Beer, and that's because Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. But did you know they're also our official seltzer? Yeah, they make good company hard seltzer. It's now available at the DNVR bar, and we keep it in stock just barely for you guys. And if you're having trouble keeping it in stock, head on to King Supers Costco because you can get a 15 can sampler, the tap pack as we like to call it, named after number 15, Rymel Tapia. Pick those up. Breckenridge Breweries, good company, hard seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. And if you were at that tailgate against the Raiders, uh, that's that's all anybody really remembers from that day. And uh, that might be a common theme going forward with our tailgates. The tailgate was great. Don't ask me about the game, but you got your you got some uh, Breck Brew. Uh, if, if you had the all-you-can-eat pass for our members, uh, you also had all-you-can-eat sexy pizza. They are a Denver community-based pizzeria for 13 years in the Denver metro area. They got hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. You can choose your own adventure with a wide range of their toppings. And they do something really awesome. Uh, it's called Philanthropies, where they donate some money to various nonprofits in and around Colorado. And so, in fact, if you're looking to have sexy pizza support your organization or uh, to, to come out to one of your events, go to www.sexy.pizza and check out their About page for the donations link to see how sexy pizza can support your cause. Stop by any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. Keep an eye out for a new one coming in Trinidad in the southern part of our state in the very near future. Well, speaking about different parts of the state and different areas, Mace, for anyone that doesn't know, give them a brief little backstory on how a, a guy from Denver, guy guy from Colorado, is an Atlanta fan. And, and maybe that's misleading because you're not actually from Colorado, like like many people in our state, right? Yeah, I'm just another transplant. Sorry. Um <laughs> I came here in 02, and aside from a couple of years when I was living in North Carolina, I've been in Colorado since 02. But uh, where I grew up until I was 11 was Richmond, Virginia, which is where the Braves had their AAA team in the International League, the Richmond Braves, up until 2008 when they moved down to uh, Gwinnett County in Georgia, Suburban Park. Uh, that's very convenient for the Atlanta Braves to have call-ups, but uh, – Kind of broke my heart a little bit when they left uh, Richmond, but same time that's what I grew up watching. When the back in those days, Patrick, the Atlanta Braves would come and play a game against the Richmond Braves every year. And during some of the uh, Atlanta Braves' lesser years, let's just say that the AAA team did more than give them a fight in those in those games that they would play. But you'd see the guys come up, and uh, you know, for example, saw like you know someone like Tom Glavin. I saw Tom Glavin when he was a when he was struggling mightily as a triple a pitcher when he could he had stretches where he couldn't get anybody out but uh, he saw the guys when they were in the minor leagues and then uh through the magic of cable television back in the day and tbs he'd see them when they got to the major league so that's that's really how i became a fan was just seeing the players in person then following them on to the major leagues in atlanta and um even though i've never lived in atlanta and so it's kind of similar to the story of a lot of braves fans because they do have a pretty national fan base, and uh, you see it when they come play here in Colorado. Before the Rockies came into existence, people kind of picked their teams based on past connections or based on who they could see. And uh, that's why you still, wherever the Braves go around the country, you still see a pretty decent pocket of fans in every road park uh, around Major League Baseball because 
back in those days when when TBS was beaming the games around the country, they did pick up a lot of fans. So that's that's kind of that's that's kind of my story. And uh, the thing and the thing is, in the '90s, they got so good that uh, even when I was still living in the Tampa Bay area, where I moved when I was 11, and the Rays came into being, I wasn't going to give up the Braves by that point. I'm like, you know, no. I mean. They've won a World Series. They keep, you know, winning one division title after another. I'm, I'm in, and so, I'm, I'm in lock, stock, and barrel. Even though I'm not a fan of the tomahawk chop, I wish they would get rid of that. I mean, there are things, but you know, loyalty is kind of a funny thing. You kind of stuck, you know, if you have a team and it's in your heart, you're kind of stuck with it, even though you may not agree with everything, right? It, it's like family, right? It, yeah. You know, you get you get born into a family, and these are, are your people for better or worse, you know, yeah. warts and all. And you, you can't just change families. You may want to, but <laughs> you, you can't change them. You, you brought up the, you know, um, some of those controversial things with Atlanta. If they were to ever get a new nickname, are, are there any that stand out for you as like, hey, this would be cool. This would be a good way to honor Hank Aaron, et cetera, et cetera. What are some names that have ever jumped out to you as being attractive? There's one that keeps floating around the Braves, uh, um, kind of kind of digital community and that's the atlanta hammers and yes that's it that's i I can't think of better i mean you could literally you can change this you can change the script on the jersey and just have it read hammers and then you can just put a hammer where the tomahawk is i mean that's it and you could i mean and then the tomahawk shop you maybe change the tune and find something else and it becomes you know, the, the, something like the hammer, something, or, you know, the, the hammer slam, something like that. <laughs> I mean, if they really wanted to do, if they really wanted to do that, that I think would be wonderful. I'm, I would love kind of some permanent memorials to Henry Aaron. I mean, we see the 44 out in center field this year uh, in, in honor of his passing, but if they do make a name change, that's the kind of thing that would really just get me in the heart if they did that because of what Henry Aaron means to me actually. I don't have it in view, but literally I, I look on my shelf next to my television and there's a signed baseball from Henry Aaron. So he, that something like that, I think would be really, would be really cool if the being the Atlanta hammers and, uh, and what it would mean to so many people. And so wouldn't bother me. And you know what? My team is my team and they'll, they, I know there are some idiots out there. They'll say, well, if they change the name, I'm not a fan. Oh, then you weren't a fan to begin with. Yeah, no, I I love that take, and I and I love the idea of mm-hmm. going beyond even just the nickname of of hammers, but memorializing Hank Aaron. And mm-hmm. you know, if if Atlanta can get their money right, which they definitely do a good job with that, name the stadium Hank Aaron Stadium, right? Like have that permanence because there's only a few around baseball that have that permanent name that are just synonymous with the mm-hmm. club and and don't care about. The, the advertising, the sponsorship and all that. So I think that would go even further uh, if, if they were to become, you know, the Atlanta Hammers. I'd, I'd love that. Now, I mean, there's obviously Truist Bank is paying a lot of money for the name on the park. But I mean, they're, you know, and th- maybe this isn't contractually allowed because if you name the field after somebody, kind of like we see in college football, we see things like, you know, it's Ben Hill Griffin Stadium at Florida Field or Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field. If you name the field after him, it would kind of people would start calling it that rather than the corporate name of the park. But I mean, if you did, if you could do something like Henry Aaron Field at Truist Park, I would just love that. And or even uh, or something permanent on the jersey as well. We see like in in the NFL, um, 
the Chiefs have a permanent AFL Lamar Hunt memorial, memorial on their jersey. The Bears have the initials of George Hallis on the sleeve of their jersey. I'd, I'd love to see some, you know, beyond the nickname, just something permanent to honor Henry Aaron because he really – he really is that important to the history of the team. Obviously, a lot of his best days were in Milwaukee, but you, you look back at the fact that the team moves to the Deep South in 1966 when there is still segregation all over the place, and their preeminent player is a black man coming to the Deep South as, as one of the best players in baseball, and he, he breaks Henry Aaron's record right there in Atlanta, in the Deep South in 1974, and what that meant to so many people. It's its social. It goes beyond baseball itself. And so to me, the more the, the more tributes, everlasting tributes that this franchise can have to Henry Aaron, the better. Because I don't think there's a, a single player in any other team's history who has kind of the importance beyond the sport for that community than Henry, like Henry Aaron does for the, for Atlanta. That's a great point because even if you say, well, obviously you got to think about Jackie Robinson. Well, he yeah. was Brooklyn, he was L, you know, L, LA. So and he's you know, kind big, of torn like, between. The, he's kind of the entire of ma- entirety of Major League Baseball. That's right, right. And so, kind of for that for like one town, one team. I mean, what Henry Aaron meant, and uh, Aaron I, I think, Aaron is Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, and I don't think there are any words for it. And, and, and the time that he was doing it, it, it just, I, I think that that really did a lot to at least to certainly change, you know, obviously change comes in fits and starts, but certainly uh, did a lot for to, to change the city of Atlanta for the better. It must've been absolutely surreal for you during all the all-star game festivities for Hank Aaron. Cause again, the game wasn't in Atlanta right. and yet, the players are wearing 44 ahead of the home run derby while they're practicing. And there's the tribute to Hank Aaron, which mm-hmm. fits in any ballpark. Even if San Diego yeah. was the host, I'm, I'm there for a tribute to Hank Aaron. Right. So that must've been particularly surreal for you to see that here in your new home and yeah. just all of these things coming together for you. Truth be told when they move, when they move the game out of Atlanta and you know, that's, that's another discussion entirely. Where I personally wanted it to go was Milwaukee because of that. Not that I have any problem with Colorado having it. And on short notice, Denver did an amazing job, as you know. But that would have been pretty amazing since the other city that meant kind of so much uh, to, the, to the legacy of, of Henry Aaron was Milwaukee, where the Braves were. And then, of course, he did come back to he came back to the Brewers at the end, and Milwaukee played for the Brewers in the last couple of years. And even the Brewers played paid some wonderful tributes to Henry Aaron as well. So he's Milwaukee's as much as he's as he's Atlanta's. So that w- that would have been really awesome if that's what it would have happened. But Colorado, did, Denver, and Colorado did an amazing job, and hopefully, the reward is that it comes back sooner rather than later. You are in a walking encyclopedia. Yeah. Everybody knows this when it comes <laughs> to Broncos. You're starting to show it with, with baseball. I'll, I'll ask you a fun trivia question because okay. it ties in with what we're just talking about. There are two Hall of Famers with the same first and middle name. Do you know who they are? Oh, God. Two Hall of Now, I didn't know this as of a couple uh, of years ago. Someone asked me the question, and it became part of my repertoire of this is a frequent question. I'm going to be asking a lot of different people. <laughs> 
at various times because they, oh, I hadn't thought of that. But it ties in with our conversation right now. <laughs> so, I mean, it wouldn't be Hank Aaron because it was Henry Lewis. He was Henry Lewis Aaron. So, yes, who is the other Henry Lewis in the Hall of Fame? Okay. Oh, okay. So someone else named Henry Lewis. Uh, ooh. It, was, it wasn't another Henry or it wasn't another Hank. Think it wasn't Hank. Name. I, I was going to guess like Hank Greenberg, maybe. Ooh, oh, good guess. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, so it had to have been a Lewis or a Lou. Lou Burdett? No, no I don't, he I don't think been, he's a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer, and it would have been L-E-W-I-S, not L-O-U-I-S, because he went by L-E-W right. Burdett. Oh, man. Um, all right. Wow. See, that's what happens when I put people on the spot. I, I feel bad. That, but no, but, but this, you cracked it. A, I'm impressed. This, you, cr you cracked it, though. You cracked yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Another great home run hitter. Okay. Played first hey, but, he did, but he didn't go by Henry or Lewis, and he played first. He, he went by Lou. He, he went, went by, by Lou. He, Lou, and he played for first base. Well, obviously, you said power hitter so and first baseman, so it wouldn't be like Lou Brock, for example. Correct. Um, and it was a gentleman who also yeah. essentially played for his hometown team. Hank Aaron, yeah. of course, from Alabama, but you know, right. nearby. Yeah. Went to Columbia University in New York. Oh, oh Luke Eric. <laughs> Yeah, there, so we go. there you go. Two Henry Lewis, Henry Lewis, Aaron, wow, Henry I Lewis, Gehrig. I, you I know what? That. The funny thing is, I did a, a book report on Lou Gehrig when I was eight years old, and I don't remember that he, his name, his full name was Henry Lewis. So maybe the book report I did, the book I was reading, that it wasn't as thorough as I would have hoped, but I remember the Columbia part. You got a B plus on it. It's, uh, it's okay. It's a, uh, that's not bad. I wish I'd gotten, I'm, ashamed, I'm a little ashamed of myself. But that's all right. No, that's a hard question. Come on, that's that's a hard one. All right, that was good. Um, favorite favorite Atlanta players all time. We've talked about Glavin a couple of times, but who was who was your? If you had one guy that if you're say you're gonna you're flying into Atlanta for a special event, and they're like, all right, Mace, who do you want? We're gonna give you you know twenty minutes along with this person, whatever it is. Who's your guy? Oh my gosh, I mean, <sighs> living or living or or dead. It, you can have Hank Aaron I, if you, if you I want. would have wanted 20 minutes with with Henry sure. Aaron no matter what. Um, but kind of as far as I think like of, of players that I grew up with personally, um, the answer is obvious, but Dale Murphy is when I was a kid that he was the star. Like when the team started to struggle, he was still the reason why you watched. Um, and of course, as you know, played for the Rockies at the end. He was chasing those, he was chasing that 400th home run and he had no power left in his bat and he was too short. And, oh man. But, Wasn't it great to see him throw yeah. out the first pitch? He yes. had on the Aaron jersey and he took it off and then he got the pearls. That yeah. was like, I was really impressed with it, with how up to date he was with all these references, you know? He, he still, he, he has in, re, I don't know if it's still there, there, and because a lot of things changed during the pandemic, there's a restaurant that has his name on it, not too far from the stadium, uh, about just across the highway from uh, where the Braves play. But he's still, even though he's not there every day, he's still pretty, still pretty well connected. And of course, there's a, a, a fascinating Hall of Fame debate with him because he was a two-time MVP when he played for the Braves. Unfortunately for him, he aged so fast that uh, he wasn't able to put up the kind of career numbers that back in 82 and 83, when he was back-to-back -back MVP, 
you thought, oh, he's going to have 500 home runs easy. And yet he, he got, you know, as some guys do, he, he got old, he got old in a hurry, but uh, yeah, for kind of my generation growing up with the team in the eighties, he's, he's the guy. And then kind of, as I got into my teen years, you start getting into the kind of the Glavin and Maddox and, and Smoltz years and all that. I've, uh, one guy, the guy I kind of love in my heart from those teams was uh, Terry Pendleton, who was mm. the MVP in 91. And, and he came over from St. Louis and, uh, you know, you'd, you'd look at his numbers and you'd say, how did he win the MVP? But he was kind of a, a, a as far as a leader, a straw that stirred everyone's drink. And he probably, he was probably kind of a pre analytics MVP because you did focus on, Oh, the Braves came out of nowhere. He came over from St. Louis kind of brought the whole thing together. Let's give him the award. But uh, I, st- I actually, sometimes I bust out the Pendleton Jersey. I actually wore the Pendleton Jersey to Coors Field uh, early last month when the, uh, when the Braves came in, I've got, that's one of the ones that's in my rotation along with uh there's a there's a, a Phil Necro jersey and a Henry Aaron jersey and uh Chipper Jones jersey, although I try not to think about how kind of nuts he is at this point, but that's another again, that's another story entirely. And if you want to catch a foul ball, you don't want to be wearing a, a oh. chipper jersey. Oh my gosh. I mean <laughs> look alive, Chipper. Come on, man. Stone hands, man. Stone hands. Oh. Larry Wayne Jones, man. Don't forget Chipper Jones there. You know, I you know, I, I didn't root for Atlanta during the nineties, but you know, they were just everywhere. And I was a huge Deion Sanders fan. I think we briefly talked about this huge. So I did, you know, have some Atlanta, you know, memorabilia just kind of lying around. Cause that was my guy. And then, then later on down the line, they also brought in Brian Jordan, who not that I was a huge fan, but you know, tip of the cap to another guy, two, two sports star two sport man from the university of Richmond. And uh, was a, actually a really good safety for the Atlanta Falcons as well, but then gave that up when Atlanta, the Falcons had their big year with Deion Sanders, by the way, on the team in '91, and he was a, he was an outstanding safety for them. And of course, but I, I even remember him back at at U of R watching him play. Um, you mentioned Deion Sanders, and we kind of talked about the uh, the chop, and it's actually interesting because Deion Sanders is the reason why the chop came to Atlanta. And that's right. FSU, Florida state. And though, again, I'm not advocating for it. I, I think it should go, but there are those who defend it by pointing out that everything they do at Florida state in terms of iconography, music, et cetera, that is in regard to native Americans, they do run it by the Seminole tribe. And so what you kind of, an argument that you will inevitably hear at some point from people who defend it is saying, well, Seminole tribe signs off on it with Florida state. So it's gotta be okay for the Braves and it's gotta be okay because Kansas City chiefs do it as well. But uh, I do think that you probably have a little more sensitivity to those who do take umbrage with it. And also kind of, it reveals that, uh, not everything has a kind of not every group has kind of a monolithic perspective on things as well. So, yeah, believe me, I've when I've said the chop is embarrassing and needs to go, I've heard the blowback over the years, but uh, I think it's just it's it's time and it's going to be in the spotlight again this week, Patrick, because they're back in the World Series for the first time in 22 years. And so I'm kind of I'm curious to see what that storyline looks like, especially when it comes back to Atlanta for game three. 
And the Rockies have that within their organization now with one of their affiliates, the Spokane Indians, who right. they work really well with the, the Spokane tribe up there in Washington mm-hmm. State. So that's been a positive yeah. representation. And mm-hmm. so it, it can be this charged issue on, on both sides. And, and as you said, yeah, the World Series, it's gonna, there's going to be a spotlight on it. We see Cleveland's already changed their name. They're going to be – I guess they're essentially as of – you know, uh, the Guardians early, now, right? early October, they're yeah. now the Guardians. That's right. And Washington is still the football clubs. Football clubbers? Is that a team? The yeah, they're figuring team. it out. There are many football <laughs> teams, but there's only one football team. And it's right. it's so kind of absurd on its surface. Like, they're, they're just a football team. A football club, at least, it would sound like a soccer club, right? Like, it's, you know, Chelsea yeah. football club, Man, Man City football club. Football team just almost sounded comical, but... I take pleasure in right when I'm writing stories this week, just referring to them on second reference as the football team and in, in capitalization in caps, because it's just so kind of crazy uh, on, on its surface. But the interesting thing, like you talk about, like with the, with the Indians, part of the problem was chief Wahoo. Right. And they kept using that. Atlanta's kind of interestingly enough, like you go back to the eighties and when they changed their uniforms to the current template, they brought up the tomahawk back from their Milwaukee days, but they got rid of. They had what they called like they, they had a an Indian a Native American logo that looked like it was scre- the, the it was an right. screaming. They got rid of that. They had a mascot. I mean, this is as as crazy to get. And again, different time. They had a mascot that was would dress up in native a native outfit that was called Chief Nakahoma and set up a teepee in the outfield seats. And that, I mean, you look back on that, I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, but it was, it was 1980s. I mean, my brother went to a high school that was nicknamed the Rebels back then. I mean, this is just, it's, it just shows you how much times have, how, how much times have changed. But back in, in the 80s, the Braves kind of cut some of the, that iconography off. So it's kind of fascinating that, they're still kind of dug in with it organizationally when back in the eighties, they were kind of making the steps to say, Hey, oh, this logo, this, this doesn't sit right. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of this mascot, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just kind of funny how that, how the, the history of it is a little more in the brave side. It's a little more complex than just like, Oh, they're dug in with the chop. No, they were actually cutting a lot of these things out back in the eighties. Like all things, it's complex, but what isn't complex is having a bright smile. That's why the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their primary family dentist. And today, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. DraftKings Sportsbook isn't if the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their primary family dentist. And today, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Pay out, because the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. And new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. 
That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're talking about our favorite team, so we got to talk about the Colorado Rugby Club. They're now the American Raptors. It's a rugby club right here in Denver metro area composed of crossover athletes who just ended their season at five and five. Pretty great for these former athletes coming together for the first time and putting their skills to the test. These are professional athletes who've competed at the highest level in their respective sports, football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, track and field. Best thing about hitting up a, an American Raptors game is that those games are absolutely free. That's right, free. Head over to AmericanRaptors.com and grab your free tickets for the upcoming season. If you can't make the game, AmericanRaptors.com will be streaming all of them from their website also for free. Check that out. And what's even better, our guy Colton Strickler has it all covered for you in the weekly DNVR Rugby Podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Mace, got it. Look, we can't get off the controversial topic so i've got to ask blooper how do we like blooper the mascot (laughs) you know what when they unveiled him it was february of 2018 and they were coming off four straight losing seasons three straight 90 plus loss seasons and i'm thinking okay yeah they're rebuilding and i get it but here we are we're still struggling and this is our big thing is unveil a mascot but i've I've come around. Part of it is also seeing how my daughter, when she goes to games, how she appreciates mascots. Mask look, mascots aren't for me. They're not for you. They're for the kids. No, they're for me. They're for oh, me. Okay. I, okay. I love mascots. Right. Yeah. My wife adores yeah. mascot. Like that's okay. all she's paying attention to during the game is she's just looking around to see the right. damn mascot. So they actually are for me. But I continue. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I mean, they're they're for bringing kid for kind of connecting with people connecting with with kids in particular and uh and making it fun i mean it is i mean you know obviously people get you know go up and down with the wins and losses and the results but it's still a game it's still supposed to be fun that's why like i i have gradually come around on dinger like to where i'm like okay yeah i, I get it i, I my my daughter lo- my daughter adores dinger and so blooper I, i'm i'm fine i'm fine with blooper although when they named him Blooper or it Blooper, we don't know if it's a male, female, we, you know, androgynous, who knows? But I thought for a team that's struggling right now to name mascot Blooper was kind of on the nose. So <laughs> I was now, pretty yeah. impressed. I remember when that yeah. happened, I was like, okay, new mascots usually aren't like a big success right away outside of Gritty, which was kind of a, a, a an, an anomaly yeah. or a, yes. an anomaly, I should say, an, an abnormal. But I was I was impressed. I thought, you know, the big eyes and just how he looked and the name Blooper. I'm like, how have I not heard of a mascot named Blooper, which is an error. But in baseball, that's a hit, right? It, it yeah. bloops in for a hit. So I actually was really impressed with it. And we know Adam Duvall's son, Stone, mm-hmm. is impressed with Blooper. He's, he's obsessed with it. That's been going around on social media. So that's been really cute seeing that relationship form between those two. Yeah, and especially I think back to like last year when there were no fans at the games, and in fact they made a bobblehead and they did a limited run. And I, I'd been looking to buy a blooper bobblehead. My daughter's like, "You need one for your office." <laughs> she has some bobbleheads as well. She's got some mascot ones, and she asked me why I didn't have a blooper one yet. I'm like, "Okay, it's a 
That's a good question. Well, they made one last year where there were no fans in the stands. He would run around. He kind of, because remember they had all the cutouts. He would hold up kind of cut out pictures of the players as he went around the empty stadium. And so I bought, there's one that they made and he's holding up cut out pictures of Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies. And that actually sits, it sits on my shelf right now in my living room. And actually it's, uh, you know, it's right next to, it's kind of mascot central because I have uh, Chorizo from the Milwaukee Brewers. I have a uh, North Carolina Tar Heels mascot. I have the Tampa Bay Lightning mascot, which is a, um, which is a lightning bug. And um, so what, what can you do with lightning? Right. And I have, and I have dinger. So what, have, what is the, the dinger, Matt, I have a dinger bobble from O2, by the way. Like, I, I might, I may have, I have that same one. Yes. It's, it's actually huge. oversized. Yes. It's it big. a little bit large. It's, it's, it's like a brick. Yes. It's very heavy. <laughs> What's the collection up to now? I imagine the way you're talking about your bobbleheads is, is with a love, like Zach Hampel talks about the foul balls and the home run balls. He's got the count 11,273. What is your bobblehead count at, at the moment? At the moment, it's uh, it's 240, but I don't have them all out right now. <laughs> I can only have but so many out. I, I've got probably, I've got about a hundred on display right now. And um, every couple of weeks, cause during the season, I don't really have time to clean. So every couple of weeks, you know, somebody I have somebody come in and kind of clean my place here. And uh, I think it drives her a little bit mad. But the fact is, she hasn't dropped me as a customer, so... I guess she's okay with it. Um, Good sign. The bigger yeah. question is, you know, what do they do at night when you're sleeping? What's what's going on in your bobblehead room here? I'm convinced that um, it's sort of like uh, what John Madden says with the Pro Football Hall of Fame bus that they talk to each other. <laughs> I, I think there's I think there's something like that going on. It might, you know, kind of like a night at the the museum thing where they're coming alive and wreaking havoc, and uh, it would. You know what? Sometimes I find I feel like there are things in my living room that are moved, and um, yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, this is not a, it's a Julius Peppers Panthers one here, and uh, maybe Julius and uh, there's there's my this is an old Dale Murphy one by the way, and uh, maybe they're maybe they're up to some things here. By the way, they do not make bobbleheads the way they used to like 18, 20 years ago. They're they're a lot lighter now and uh, flimsier. They're like this, this Dale Murphy thing, kind of like the Dinger one that I have. It's basically a brick. I could use it if I got ever really got mad. I guess I could use it as a doorstop, but I'm not going to because I I value them too much. Probably the heads bobbled a lot more because because of the weight and the, right. the spring technology. But then I think people were breaking them, so you're right. They kind of changed it up yeah. a little bit. And here you got yeah. a nice little little triptych, so to speak, a little three person. What is? Oh, this is slide. Yeah. Sid Bream sliding. Although Mike Lavalier here, he's smiling. Sid Bream just slid past you and and you're smiling. I mean, come on. (laughs) That's good. Who's the umpire? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, I'd have to look that up. That's a good question. I tend to excise the good umpires from my mind and focus on the Sam Holbrook and the infield fly rule. That's another story entirely. Oh, yeah. We should go there now. Somewhere I don't have it, uh, I, and I guess because I just kind of moved and I re- recombobulated. It's not on my shelf right now, and but it is a bad memory. The twins years ago, and I end up buying this on eBay, gave away a bobblehead 
of Kent Herbeck pulling Ron Gant off the first base bag in the 1991 World Series. And I look at that and think, why on earth did I spend $60 for something on eBay that brings back one of the worst memories I have? Because you're a sports fan. I guess. You're a good sports fan, right? A tortured sports fan. Yeah, I I like to confront it, I guess. I, I have no clue. I Former Rockies great, Ron Gant, too, right? Former Rockies great. When you think of Ron Gant, you think about his, I don't know, 60 games <laughs> with Colorado, hardly. How, um, many, how many people – it's funny, like, you think of, like, Ron Gant and, and how he uh, he cycled through uh, back in the – it was 2001, right, Then when he came through Colorado? How many guys, like, came through Colorado for cups of coffee at some point? Oh, plenty. Oh, especially in the nineties and two thousands. They're like, Oh my gosh, they, you know, Dale Murphy's kind of the patron saint of that, but like how many others, you know, had a, had a brief, had a brief fling like Ron Gant did. I mean, you know, you could throw in uh, Darren Bragg in 2000 oh. or Stan Belinda. Oh my gosh. Do we want to get a, how obscure do we want to get? Do we, do we want to mention Micah Bowie <laughs> back in 2008? Yes. Octavio mm-hmm. Dotel. I mean, he's played with just about everybody. Yeah. So that's we we tend we also tended to see more of that before teams really got a, a a greater hold analytically on who they would bring up to kind of fill gaps budget wise. You know what I'm know what I'm saying now? Like like what's what do you gain from signing a vet near the end compared to just calling somebody up from AAA and seeing what he has? Yeah, that that's definitely gone by the wayside. Yeah. They're not they're not keeping around guys at age 36, 37, especially if it's a guaranteed deal. It's now a minor league contract. And now that 36, yeah. 37 year old guy has to, you know, battle for uh, for a spot on the roster with a, a 23 year old kid. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not it's not as desirable as as you think. Yeah. Not many Jason Giambis anymore, are there? No. All right. Well, if we're talking about Atlanta and, and Colorado guys, and you were, you were in Colorado, you know, when this happened, because it was only a few years ago, but Tyler Matzik, I mean, he's been, mm-hmm. you know, the darling right now for Atlanta. Of course, everyone wants to see Freddie win and Ozzy Albies on the Atlanta side. But here in Colorado, Tyler Matzik has been the dude and just, just fills your heart to see him come back after having the yips and, and mm-hmm. seemingly flame out as a, another one of those picks that the Rockies had early on the first round that didn't have you know the career that was expected of him and now it's it's finally finally coming to fruition on the big stage the old cliche about uh, a lot of relievers being failed starters right and uh you know for for reasons that as we have learned that were beyond Tyler's control in a lot of ways uh, di- it didn't work out from the starter he took that circuitous route but um you know there was something i saw when i was reading on sunday that it had never happened before in the postseason that a reliever had come in in the seventh inning or later with runners on second and third and nobody out, and that he struck all three of them out. And this is why, even though he had a limited sample size in the series compared to, say, Eddie Rosario, you could make a case for Tyler Matzik being the MVP of the NLCS. Because at that moment, you've got the you've got the Dodgers basically at the brink of tying the game. Luke Jackson, who's 
historically lets allows a lot of base runners, but have been reliable this year. Had really just unfortunately picked a bad time to revert to like 2018 Luke Jackson, and he's also fighting a crowd that at that point feels like it's about to melt down. All Atlanta, Atlanta may have at that moment had a home field disadvantage. And he comes in after all that he's been through over the years, and he ha- it's it's not just the pitches, it's the mental fortitude as well. It's the confidence that he had. And then, then they send him back out there for another inning. He shuts the Dodgers down again in the eighth. I mean, it, there there's not a better story given the path that he went through. What was the team that he was with, the Texas something or others? Air Hogs. Thank you, the Air Hogs. I mean, <laughs> you, get down, you get down to a certain level of uh, – independent league baseball and the the nicknames feel like they're randomly generated from taking two words and combining them like okay uh air sea land and then let's we got some mammals here hogs uh tigers lions oh uh, you know boom boom air hogs there we go and the fact that he just he never he never gave up on his dream he never and he never gave up on who he was and as you know he had this he had the stuff Physically, he had the mm-hmm. stuff. It was, you know, basically shows how much of the game is mental and having to to overcome that. And an amazing, just an amazing comeback story. And this is this is two years now that he's he's done it for Atlanta. That he's he's been one of the most he's been one of the most reliable people in their bullpen. Um, they've they've found a, they've found a role for him. And the other thing I think is interesting is that uh, when when you see a guy wearing number 68, okay, that tells you what the Braves thought of him and his chances when they brought him in, right? He's got the spring, he's got the spring training high high digit number. And he's still wearing and he's still wearing it. I hope he always wears 68 because to me, when I see him out there in that jersey, it reminds you, it reminds me of where he was and how far he had to come. That he was a a fringe guy, non roster invitee, down to basically one last shot, and here he is pitching high leverage, high leverage inning, in 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 the in the hottest spotlight that you can imagine, and being and I mean and shutting and again, like I said, doing something that literally had not been done in all postseason baseball. I, I mean. How can you not be romantic about baseball when you think about a story like that? It's wonderful. It is. And, and he's owned it. He's owned yeah. the number 68. Like I, I love that aspect of it. And so, yeah, we, we hope him for him to have some more continued success here in the world series. Uh, I know your prediction is Atlanta to win. It has to be right. Or, or, or do you I, listen to your head or do you have to vote with your heart? I have a habit of picking against my team at all at all at all corners i like that you know why uh, because you can't lose if you get it right you look smart thank you. and if you're wrong guess what your team just won it all baby so it's I, genius i'll pick them to get swept i, I mean <laughs> I, on friday when or on, on uh on on thursday or friday it was just no, it was friday my bad when i wrapped up um the radio show that i that i do from four to six on weekdays um I was at, I was asked by our producer, uh, Macy, going to pick the the Braves this weekend. I said, no, I've, I've been to this opera. I, I feel like it's not going to work out, but I did that in the summer with the lightning and they end up winning the Stanley cup. So yeah, I'm going to keep on picking against my team. Of course, on the DMVR Broncos podcast, 
It's a running gag that we we do our DraftKings pick of the week during baseball season. When I look at the picture opposing the Braves that night and the strikeout over under, and I, I always say take the over. Part of it is the Braves can be a bit of a, of a free-swinging team. They could do well, and you could feel the air being torn constantly. That bet has come out in my favor 72% of the time since I've been doing it. So I stick with it, but it's kind of a running joke that my DraftKings pick of the week every week in baseball season is a pick against my team. <laughs> when, you, when you know, you yes. know, right? Yes. You, you, you know. I, I know um, where my team is weak. We, 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 t- we tend to go for the fences and miss a lot, but we make contact a lot too, which is why they're, why they're sitting here right now in the World Series. And you have a little bit of that experience of, of disappointment. And, and yeah. before we go, the last thing I have to bring up, we are in, in the week of the anniversary of, of the Rockies going to the 2007 World Series and, and getting swept out by Boston, unfortunately. But I know you were, were able to attend one of the games. And just what was your recollection about baseball in and around Colorado, the stadium buzzing, the atmosphere for game three, all that stuff? The thing for a lot of things I remember about uh, those playoffs because I was I was at the wild card game three against the Phillies and I was at the NLCS games against the Astros and um, only a scheduling conflict kept me from being at game four of the World Series. You know, and uh, so I thought as I walked up to the stadium, first of all, as you know, that it, that Rockies team didn't catch everyone's attention until October. And I thought, and, and usually I get to about 10 or 15 games at Coors Field a year. And, you know, usually they will be the Braves games, but I'll go to a bunch of games. The Rockies are my def, my clear number two team. I root for them when they're not playing the Braves. And I thought, hmm, how many of these people actually came to games this year? How many people were here when they were scuffling around in June and July? I mean, I, I remember being at a game that May, in, in May that year, they were playing, I believe, I want to say it was the Royals, but correct me if I'm wrong. But there was a very unruly fan behind me wanting Clint Hurdle fired. And imagine if Hurdle had been fired in May before what ended up happening happening that season. So I kept thinking about that. And then I walked in, I walked to my seat. And the first thing I did was I looked at the score, at the hand-operated scoreboard in right field. And there are no other games on there. And that's, I think, that's a moment as a baseball fan when if you look at the, if it's a hand operated scoreboard like that and you look in there that's it it's clear it's the world series nobody else is playing tonight all it's all on it that's just one of, and i think that's one of the moments that it kind of it kind of hits you in the, in the heart of what you feel and then the game goes on the rockies fall behind and then and then it was Matt Holiday, right? Hit the home run to get him back within seven six. Yeah. And after, yeah, the Rockies were down two nothing going into that game. But after all the games they had won, from the one game playoff with the Padres to through the Diamondbacks, at that moment, the way the people are jumping around in the stands as that ball is going over the fence, I have never heard a crowd like that. In any at any sporting event, as I did at that moment, and and there I I thought they're going to come back and win this game. There was at that moment there was that that belief. There was no doubt in my mind. Of course, then they didn't. 
<laughs> it fell apart pretty quickly in in the next inning. But I'll always I'll always treasure that moment. And that's the thing. It's it's not just about the big ring at the end. It's the moments along the way. I mean, being a Braves fan, yeah. If you focused on the big ring at the end, you, you you're heartbroken, right? But there's a lot of joy that comes from all the points that happen between A and B, all the wins over the course of a summer. Even when you win a World Series or you lose a World Series, the Rockies were swept. There's joy in that moment when Coors Field was electric with happiness and giddiness. It, it just this is it's part of the it's it's part of what's cool it's to me it's what it's one of the things that makes baseball different from football i feel like football is so focused on the end result whereas baseball i feel like there's a little more chance to kind of appreciate everything along the way and there's a savoring of that the braves might go out this week and get swept by the astros and if that happens i'll be melancholy but i'll it won't take me long to start thinking of you know, Jock Peterson's three-run blast against the Brewers or Rosario hitting a three-run homer in game six or the walk-off wins against the Dodgers or sweeping the Cardinals to get back to 500, which right after they've made those trades in early August, and that's when you look and say that was when it was starting to come together. Or even I think back to a series in September, the Braves go to San Francisco and they lose game one Friday night in heartbreaking fashion. Will Smith gives up the tie-breaking home run. They lose in extras. They lose the next night. And then they rally back and win the third game of that series, stop the, stop the bleeding, keep, themsel- keep themselves in first place. The Phillies are starting to close on them. It doesn't matter if they – I mean, I want to win the World Series, but you know what? All these moments are things that I savor too. And that's and that's so I think back of the Rockies in the World Series just because it doesn't it, they lost in four games doesn't mean I don't have such wonderful memories of the experience of it all of even that moment where you thought they were going to come back that's I'll, I'll take those with me to my grave and that that's a really long answer to a short question and I apologize but I just get carried away when I think about I think about the emotion of that moment. No, I love it. It's any time that your team or even your your home stadium, like the all-star game was this summer when you're the epicenter of the baseball world, even if it's only part of it, because Mm -hmm. sure they had one game in 2018 against the Brewers in game three and it was snowy, it was crummy, but all of the baseball world was watching to see Mm -hmm. what was going on with our team. And that was, that's really special. And, and yeah, the end result, you don't care to remember, but the fact that they were even there, right. That it even existed that it even occurred is still so special. There is. And I think like there are Broncos fans who feel bad about the 2013 season because it ended with them losing to the Seahawks and the Super Bowl in humiliating fashion. Right. And yeah, the ending was bad, but I think back on when they won the AFC championship on a perfect sunny day and Terrence Knighton has the game of his life and he sacks Tom Brady on fourth down. And I think back on all the, the Peyton Manning, all the touchdowns that he had along the way. Uh, of that season and sometimes and and i think maybe that's why sometimes i i i enjoy from a fan perspective baseball more than football i think soccer is kind of the same way and i'm a big soccer fan as well that you kind of i feel like there's a little more focus on the process and the steps rather than just the bottom line end result in those sports all right i I didn't realize you're a big tampa bay rowdies fan all right 
I, I, I actually, I actually <laughs> am as far as my, my second tier team. Uh, I'm a huge Manchester city fan. Um, I, I rarely miss a match if I can help it, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that football is like not my favorite sport from a spectating perspective that I'm more of a baseball and soccer guy. So I mean, go figure. The more, you know, with Andrew Mason, <laughs> that's it. Mace, this was just so much fun. I uh, thank you for, for coming on. We'll have to talk again this off season. Would love uh, to. If, if we get one, we'll see what happens. Uh, but you know, in Atlanta, make some moves. You're, you're the representative. I'm going to, I'm going to be coming to you right away talking about what kind of minor league signings uh, Atlanta has made and what's going on in, in Gwinnett as well as uh, all their other uh, little, little affiliates they've got down in there in the South. So it's, it's been fantastic chatting with you about this. Hey, always a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Make sure you're following him uh, with his Broncos coverage as well as some Atlanta fandom for the next week on Twitter at, Mace Denver. I am at Patrick D. Lyons. You can follow all the Rockies and baseball coverage at DNVR underscore Rockies. For DNVR Sports, he's Andrew Mason. I'm Patrick Lyons. Thank you for listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their primary family dentist. And today, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonic Care toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.